looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. Today's guest is Sean McKay. He is the Senior VP at American IRA. Sean's coming on the show to talk about self-directed IRAs. Basically what that is, a real quick summary. People who are looking to invest passively in syndications or acting as a private lender or hard money lender for an investor typically don't have a lot of money just sitting on the sidelines waiting to get invested. It's typically in their Roth IRA or their traditional IRA. Well, this is a sweet vehicle to utilize and use because you can actually keep that money inside your retirement account, but you can lend it out to things like syndications, like I said, private lending, hard lending money, and you can use the tax benefits, whether it's a Roth IRA, so it's tax-free, or a traditional IRA where it's tax-deferred you can invest through those vehicles. So Sean does a phenomenal job of talking about how these self-directed IRAs work and how they can benefit investors looking to invest passively through their retirement. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Please stop over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, write us a review. We always love seeing that from you guys. Enjoy the show. Today's guest I've got on the show is Sean McKay, and he is the Senior Vice President of American IRA. Uh, Sean, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, Dante. Thanks so much. Uh, As you said, I'm the uh, Senior Vice President at American IRA. We're a self-directed IRA and 401k provider, and uh, our headquarters is in Asheville, North Carolina, and we have offices in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Atlanta, Georgia. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about your company and exactly what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So largely... Individuals are coming to us because they're looking for opportunities outside of just stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with their IRAs and 401ks. So they do have that capacity to invest in those securities-based assets, but really where we're going to add benefit to someone's portfolio is the ability to invest in what we consider alternative assets. So clients might come to us because they're interested in real estate investments, maybe investing in a privately held company as opposed to a publicly traded company, or maybe something a little bit kind of different such as uh, digital assets like Bitcoin, something like that. These are things that you can purchase with your retirement accounts as well. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to have you on the show because we have a lot of people who are looking to get started investing in real estate or looking for the passive route to invest in real estate. And uh, I think self-directed IRAs would be great for that. Um, For an example, syndication. Uh, A lot of people that are looking to invest as a limited partner, an LP in a syndication, a passive partner, so to speak. Um, Not everyone has, you know, funds just sitting around ready to invest. So I think self-directed IRA would be a a great way to get those funds into a syndication and get some uh, alternative investments. So that way you can get a little bit better returns. And so you're going to be doing most of the talking here, just kind of breaking it down. So would you be considered a custodian for self-directed IRAs or how does that look? Yeah, great, great question. So really for us, the analysis is, is the self-directed provider fully integrated or not? So you have some self-directed providers 
that are reliant on third-party trust companies or custodians in order to stay in business, which mm -hmm. is pretty typical. Uh, we are what's considered a fully integrated company, though, which means we have the same ownership group for our administration company, which is American IRA, as we do for our parent trust company, New Vision Trust. And so really what that means is we get to control our own destiny. We're not reliant on a third-party custodian to be in business. So ultimately, if you are not fully integrated, you can receive a 30-day letter from your custodian saying, sorry, our business model has changed. You have 30 days to find a new home, which, as you can imagine, is pretty scary. So yeah, we're, we're very Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So let's look at it from someone that, so let's say I was putting together syndication. I was a sponsor. I was the GP, the general partner on the deal and I was raising capital and I had someone come to me that says, Hey, look, that looks like an awesome deal that you're, you know, taking an offering for uh, raising capital for, but I just don't have the funds available right now. Oh, well, Mr. Billy Bob, I, do you have a retirement account? Do you have a, uh, an IRA, a 401k, something of that? Oh, well, Dante, yes, I do. I have, you know, half a million dollars in there. I'd love to invest a hundred thousand of that with you, but I don't think that's possible. Well, Hey, I know this awesome guy named Sean that can do that for you, American IRA. What are the next steps that Billy Bob can take? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a big part of our business, quite frankly, as you said, syndicators such as yourself that are raising money. We'll see certain offerings where 70, 80% of the capital raise is from retirement accounts with these self-directed accounts. So for me, it's kind of a three-step process. So first, it's just simply a matter of getting the account created. So it's just a very straightforward application kit. The second concept is getting the account funded. As you said, typically it's going to be with an existing IRA or perhaps an old employer sponsored plan, like a 401k. A but it can't be a current 401k is what you're getting at then? Yeah. So most of the time, so it's, it's always a good idea to ask your human resources department, but if you're not the owner of that company where you can actually rewrite the plan documents, the rule of thumb is usually the larger the company, the less chance there is you can move an existing or your current 401k, I should say. Okay. Wonderful. So, and then that third step, I'm sorry, you said fund the account and then the third step is actually closing to get the funds over. Absolutely. So as you said, so as that, as that syndicator, as that kind of lead investor for the project, you've obviously worked with attorneys, you're structuring legal entities and things like that. And so ultimately you're going to have a group of investors coming in. So whatever the documentation that your investors would be signing as that, as you said, kind of uh, passive investor coming into the fund, the client will instruct us to sign those documents and then certainly to send the funds for their portion of ownership of the deal. Wonderful. Okay. Now, what if someone has some funds in their Roth IRA, they're currently invested in ETF or a mutual fund, would you be selling that typical fund to get this transferred into an account with you guys to get over to the general partner or syndicator? How does that look? Because I'm sure that's an obvious question some people might have. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. So as you said, that part of your portfolio, you would definitely need to sell, liquidate, as you said, so that those funds could be moved in cash over to a firm like ours. Absolutely. Okay. And if someone's using, let's say, a system like Vanguard or Charles Schwab for these accounts, do they still inquire the fees of possibly selling if there is a fee? Or does that possibly get waived because it's going into a different retirement uh, asset? Or how does that look? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the great thing about that, that platform these days with the Schwabs, the Vanguards, the TD Ameritrades, most of the time it's actually commission-free trading. So they're able to sell out of whatever positions they need to, they get into cash, and then they're just simply moving funds to another financial services provider. So typically there's, there's not a lot of costs associated with those movements. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. And so for those of you guys that are listening and kind of wondering, when we're talking about a syndication investing as a limited partner, the reason why, and you know, Sean, you could back me up on this, someone would want to sell off their stock, their ETF, their mutual fund, something in their retirement account is because they're getting on average anywhere from a six to maybe eight, nine percent return on their investment. Um, and yes, if it's a Roth IRA, it's, it's not deferred, but the taxes are paid up front but it's a traditional IRA, there's a little bit more uh, tax there where they can in, in invest in a real hard asset as real estate and they can look for double digit returns. And those returns can also get, you know, essentially watered down from a tax perspective when they're investing in the real estate. Um, Sean, what do you have to say on that? Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I mean, obviously we're real estate guys, so we're, we're yep. definitely pro the returns and the advantages and what have you. You know, I think for me, I look at our client base and I, I kind of break them off into two separate groups. So first you have what I would consider the diversification clients. So as you said, they're probably maybe going to keep the bulk of their portfolio with their advisor, with their Vanguard account, whatever it may be. And a portion of that money, maybe it's 50,000 or hundred thousand is going to be invested into a syndication opportunity out of a larger pool of money. Right. Um, so that's kind of group number one. We see a good bit of that. And then we see the entrepreneurs, the, the, the really kind of full-time investors like yourself that are really all in on real estate. And so those clients tend to be, be almost solely weighted in their self-directed accounts and in these investments like real estate opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I can totally see someone, a passive investor that's looking to invest for, you know, with their stock portfolio, they can get quarterly dividends, but in real estate, you know, they can get quarterly payouts from the cash flow and they don't have to sell any of their assets. And the quarterly dividend or the, excuse me, the quarterly payout in a syndication is much more intense, so to speak, or a higher value than a dividend payout in an ETF or a mutual fund. Well, if I, if I could, something that might be kind of an easy illustration would be yep. that when you're thinking about retirement accounts, I think a lot of us have these kind of big picture goals of, I want to have a million dollar IRA or 401k. And that's, right. that's a certainly for, for most of us, a sizable goal. And so you look at that and you say, great, I get to that million dollars. And if we're completely invested in the stock market with that million dollars, you mentioned the, the ETFs, index funds, things like that you might be on that million dollars getting 15,000 to $20,000 a year in cash flow versus if you're a passive investor in somebody else's fund, you might be getting 40, $60,000 in cash flow from a million dollar portfolio that's built on these types of investments. So from a cash flow perspective, as you said, it's off the charts, the difference between the securities based world and an asset like real estate. Yeah. And, and with an asset like real estate, you know, typically for syndications, we're going after a value add property where we'll take that 20% down, which is typically about 35% with closing costs, acquisition improvements. And we're looking to refinance that property in a year to three to five years. So we can pay back that total initial investment to the investors. And then they're still getting the returns because we want to keep them happy. We want to keep them with good returns so they can take that money that we've pulled out to reinvest in our next deal. 
or even had the mindset that says, oh, wow, I'm getting an infinite return on my money because I have no money invested. I'm still getting that payout. And I can totally see someone that wants to diversify their portfolio a little bit by instead of just doing the index funds, ETFs also has some real hard assets and not investing in a REIT, so to speak. Um, And again, from a tax standpoint, there's a lot of tax benefits in the real estate side, uh, unless we're looking at a Roth IRA, which obviously, you know, is is not tax deferred um, with that. So talk to us. I don't know if you can talk to this on the podcast. Can you talk a little bit about fees with a self-directed IRA with you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So what you typically see in the self-directed arena is one of two models. You're either going to see the annual fee based upon the value of the account. So as your account balance grows, so does your annual fee. Kind of very similar to what you've seen over the years with financial advisors. They'll charge one or 2% of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. That can be obviously costly as your account balance grows. Usually that's capped at two to $3,000 a year just for someone being your self-directed provider. The second option is where we'll see an annual fee based upon the number of assets that you hold in your self-directed account. So let's say you're invested in four different opportunities, four different funds, syndication deals, what have you. And so many times the self-directed providers are charging about $300 per year per asset. So with four assets, you're looking at $1,200 a year just, just on that alone. So with our model, what we've decided is we're not picking investments for clients because these are self-directed accounts, right? So we shouldn't really get to see the upside as their account balance grows from 50,000 to 200,000, et cetera, et cetera. So we actually cap our annual fee for our IRAs at $285 a year. Wow. And for our solo 401ks, it's capped at $585 a year. It's a very specific plan for those that are self-employed, no full-time employees. It's kind of like the retirement account on steroids. So from a fee perspective, we're, we're definitely kind of leading the way in terms of a, an interesting model in which to charge clients. Extremely affordable for the returns that you're getting on these investments as well. Like you said that maybe you know, we'll say an asset management fee if someone in Vanguard or, or Charles Schwab's or TD Ameritrade is managing the account, especially mutual fund, there can be, you know, high percentage costs where what you're talking about is significantly cheaper. Um, so I definitely like to hear that. And yeah. getting back to again, returns, I mean, let's look at someone who's got their Roth IRA right now. They're 60 or what we'll say 55 years old. They've got four and a half more years to go till they can cash out with no penalties this year they're losing a huge chunk of that portfolio, that retirement account they've built up um, just to kind of see how rocky the stock market has been when real estate is an investment. And yes, I'm, I'm selling to the people here, the passive investors, real estate as an investment has been such a high return asset. And even with what's gone on in COVID, we haven't seen that much of a decline in those numbers. So I think that's super important. I mean, Sean, I know you get to kind of take a peek at these numbers. What are you seeing? I'm with you. I mean, you know, I think a lot of us are, we look at the 2008 crisis and we say real estate went down, the stock market went down. But if you look at that, the historic numbers of recessions and what happens, there's not usually a direct correlation between hard assets like real estate and the stock market. That was very unusual because obviously real estate was such a primary component of this, this recession that we had with 
mortgage-backed securities and what have you. And so ultimately, as you said, I look at even just frankly my personal portfolio of rentals, and we've been over 90% in terms of full-paying tenants on our properties during the COVID crisis. So obviously mm-hmm. it's been a scary time and, you know, we were, we're very sympathetic to, you know, the health situation and just kind of the financial strife that so many people are going through. But from a statistical standpoint, the investor clients we see, investor friends that I have, um, it, it's pretty typical that uh, rents are still being collected and we haven't really seen any sort of pullback in terms of values. What are you seeing in your market? Uh, I'd say we, we're seeing the same thing. I mean, to be honest, we have collected 100% of our rents through this entire thing. Um, and that just comes with good property management that's on site, that's talking to these, you know, these tenants, letting them know that rent is still due. Did we have to make a, a little bit of adjustment at first? Yes, but we've collected 100% of rents. And I, wow. I say that with passion and very ha- happily because that's mm-hmm. a huge accomplishment in the sure. middle of a pandemic and something like that. And our vacancy rate is very, very, very low. I mean, less, almost less than single digit. And so I think the market's strong, the rental market's strong, and the government stepping in with those stimulus checks and that unemployment has really helped. Would I like them to to see the government do something for landlords or property owners? Yes, because what they need to remember is we're the ones paying the property taxes. We're paying a large tax bill every year for them to keep their counties up. Um, so if, if we could see the government step in, if things don't get better for something of property owners, landlords that can actually show proof and say, hey, this is what's happening. Not yeah. everyone, because if you're collecting 100% of rents, you don't need any assistance. You just keep going on, on your, you know, your beaten path. But those landlords or those property owners that have collected 50% because I've heard it that are out there, 80%, you know, they need help. And that's when the government needs to step in because if the government's helping all these people and we know, we can see that these people are, you know, getting money. We're seeing new TVs in their apartments. We're seeing new washer and dryers in their units. You know, we know they're getting the money, but they're still not paying rent. They're taking advantage of the situation and there needs to be a discipline there. And me being in New York, you know, it's a tenant friendly state. So moratorium on evictions, you can't charge late fees, you know, so it it just comes down to you have to really have good property management in place. Sure. So that's what we're seeing in our market here. Cutting back to the self-directed IRAs, can you do a traditional versus a Roth or how does that look? Yeah, absolutely. So really when we're saying self-directed, we're not changing the account types themselves. We're just giving you a larger variety of investment options. So you, let's say you currently have a traditional with Schwab and you decide to move a portion of that to us. It's still technically a traditional IRA with us. We're just using self-directed as a marketing concept. So really all IRAs can be self-directed and the old employer sponsored plans can definitely be self-directed where you can roll those over. And you know, you can certainly ask your employer if it's with your current firm, the 401k, but yes, the the Ross traditional SEPs, simples, they can all be self-directed. Wonderful. And obviously, as we know, with, with an IRA, before you're 59 and a half, you start to take that out. There's going to be fees and taxes, tax implications with that. Mm-hmm. If you're investing in real estate, real estate gives out quarterly dividends or quarterly payouts for the cash flow and the percentage of preferred returns. Can you get that directly or does that have to stay in your retirement account? Absolutely. So as you said, the first flow will be back to the retirement account. 
And then that account holder, ideally they're, as you said, older than 59 and a half so that they can take those distributions without any penalties at least. And depending upon the type of account, there may or may not be a tax consequence for that distribution. But right. essentially that money flows back to the retirement account. And just as the account holder has with any other financial relationship, they do have that decision to make as to whether they want to personally pull funds out. Okay. So those same rules still apply with how the retirement account is initially set up. Exactly. Awesome. So that's really the key is whether it's contributions to the account, distributions from the account, everything is identical, whether it's a self-directed account or with kind of those traditional providers. Okay. So it's really just the vehicle they're investing with is, is what changes. So it lets them broaden the horizon of the asset they can invest in. That's exactly. Um, now, are there income limits? Is there required minimum distributions? How does that look? Yeah, absolutely. So, so as, as you and your listeners are possibly aware, so with the Roth IRAs, you do not have those required minimum, dis, uh, required minimum distributions. So the RMDs are not a part of the Roth IRA equation. With pre-taxed accounts like traditional IRAs, 401ks, mm -hmm. those are vehicles where they've actually just moved the yardstick. So it's actually 72 and a half is when you have to start taking money from your retirement account. Okay. So with the traditional side, you have to start taking out, out the regular scheduled payments or so to speak. Okay. Exactly. Great. And then with the Roth IRA, you said, you know, there's no RMDs, uh, required minimum distributions you have to take. You can let it sit in there and grow. What is, uh, what's the percentage of traditional IRA versus Roth IRA that you're seeing today for the self-directed IRAs? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually just had a, uh, a board meeting, I think it was last week, and we we're looking at some of the breakdowns. And I was actually surprised to see the, the percentage of those post-tax, those Roth IRAs, and also those solo 401ks making up a larger percentage of the, the client-based assets in comparison to what I was assuming. And so okay. really what I figured was with a kind of middle-aged client base with larger net worths and, and larger retirement accounts, I figured those individuals would strictly be in traditional IRAs, um, being that they were rolled over typically from old 401ks. But long story short, it's actually fairly evenly split between those post-tax Roth accounts and those pre-tax vehicles like the traditional IRAs, which I, I would have definitely not put any money on that for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. You would have thought the other way. Um, but hey, these, these people know they're, they're investing very intelligently. So they know the right path to take and where they're going to sit in the tax bracket when they look to retire or take out those distributions. Yeah, absolutely. Eligibility requirements, are those going to kind of just fall right in line with where it is when you initially open up the account? Yeah, absolutely. So there are income limits to directly make contributions for Roth, depending upon your situation, whether you're single, you're married, filing jointly, things like that. Just very easy charts we can pull from the IRS website. Uh, but again, it's identical to if you currently have a Roth IRA. And the nice thing is if you want a Roth IRA, we can all have them. You might have to establish a pre-tax, like a traditional IRA initially, and then just simply do a, a conversion to a Roth IRA uh, at some point, maybe even in the very near future to get those monies into the Roth account. Wonderful. Okay. And a passive investor that's looking to, to use this route to invest in real estate as a vehicle through their retirement account. If they've never heard of this, obviously they're a little bit on the fence and I'm sure they're 
curious about the risks associated with it. So what would you say, or what would you tell a client if they ask, you know, what are the risks associated with a self-directed IRA or, or they're really not? Any? Well, I think certainly there's always going to be risk when we're investing. Right. And so I think that when we're, when we're looking at these accounts, ultimately what I'll say to investors is that we want to be balanced and fair in the approach. And when you're making an investment to me, the primary risk will always be your level of knowledge and understanding of what you're investing in. So an example would be my dad's a retired financial advisor. He's really sharp. Unfortunately, I'm really not. And so I've, I've tried to at least have a portion of my portfolio in that securities-based world out of, out of, if nothing else, respect out of you know, what my dad's career path was. Right. And I have picked the worst individual stocks. I'll pick a stock and then six months later, they'll file bankruptcy. Um, I, I, I even read the annual reports. A lot of people make bad decisions, but they're not reading the annual reports. I am not meant to invest in publicly traded companies. So I would say the worst case scenario is you lose your entire balance when you make a really poor investment. Now, obviously most of us are smarter and we do index funds and kind of safer macro vehicles like that. But when I look at our clients that are investing in a fund, for example, and that fund is directly investing into a, let's say a 200 unit apartment complex, it's very, very tough for that apartment complex value to go to zero, right? Of course, yeah. It could lose value. We never know where the market cycles are, are ultimately going to go. Maybe the next 10 years aren't going to be nearly as rosy as the, the last 10 years in terms of appreciation. But ultimately, there's still a hard asset there. There's still ideally going to be, as you said, almost all of your tenants paying rent all the time. And so ultimately, if you're able to kind of hang in there through the tough times, we're still left with that hard asset. I invest in Tidewater, which is a, a, uh, pub or, yeah, a publicly traded company. They filed bankruptcy within six months of, of investing a fair amount of money because oh, I thought geez. I was cute and I was getting in on the, you know, on the dip there and, and I lost the entire thing. Well, I lost, we'll call it 99.3% of the value of the, uh, oh, the investment. Man. So. You know, ultimately, I think for most of us, we understand something like real estate far better than we understand some kind of niche company or even a big company with a lot of moving parts like an AT&T that has so many different divisions and things going on. It's just a lot easier for us to look at a building and say, that's a nice building in a nice area. I think people would want to live there, right? Right. Yeah, no, that's good. And Again, we're getting back to real estate. It's a hard asset. It's a real asset. It doesn't drop its value overnight. It, it dwindles down. It takes a little bit. It's not like turning off a light switch and it just dies. And that's why it's so much safer. I mean, we look at the beginning of this COVID crisis in March. I mean, how much did we see the Dow, the S&P 500 drop and how many people have an ETF or a mutual fund that you know goes off of those indexes? And I mean, I, I talked to a guy yesterday who almost half is his whole portfolio. He's older. He's, he's in his 50s, 60s. And uh, he took out like a huge $300,000 loss to his retirement account. Mm -hmm. He wasn't really nervous because he knows, you know, eventually it's going to go back up. But it's like, I'm, I'm older. You know, I don't know how long this is going to take to go back up because historically it's not a perfect V. It's more of a, a, a Nike swoosh, you know, it mm -hmm. goes down really fast and takes a little bit to gain some traction, but real estate's never going to lose value that fast. 
So I, I think that's my, uh, my two cents on that. And again, I, we could do a whole episode on why real estate is such a better investment than the stock market and why real wealth is built that way. Right. Tell me uh, something I don't know about self-directed IRAs or someone that someone really would know, something special. I want to learn here. That's why I had you on the show, right? <laughs> something special. Wow. Put, 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 put me on the spot here. Okay. I know. So, and there might not be anything because it's pretty straightforward. Well, you know, I think that, so what's interesting is you look at your concept of a fund and I think most of us can conceptualize what that looks like where we're one of a group of investors that are investing in usually a larger asset like an apartment complex. And so that's been done for, for many, many years in our industry. Oddly enough, what I find is that if you kind of scale down the investment, let's say that you're looking at a single family house, for example, there's mm -hmm. somehow this disconnect where as investors were unable to kind of put those, those concepts together and say, okay, well, if I don't have enough money to pay cash for that house, there are other strategies that I can utilize with these accounts. So maybe I'm partnering to do that smaller deal. Maybe there's just going to be two or three of us to get together some retirement account funds, some non-retirement account funds, or there's also the ability for these retirement accounts to actually utilize some debt. It needs to be non-recourse debt. So the account holder is not going to personally guarantee the mortgage that the retirement account is getting for this deal. But there are definitely some fairly creative strategies where we're, we'll see clients that will do a fund sub two deal inside their retirement account, or they'll get some really great seller financing terms where they're putting maybe even a few thousand dollars for a down payment. And then that seller is financing the entire balance to that retirement account with non-recourse debt. And so we see these account holders that sometimes even start with a few thousand dollars in their retirement account and they're blowing these things out. Some of them literally have over a million bucks in a couple of years inside of their self-directed accounts from these kind of more creative strategies. So I think there's just, there's huge opportunities for the passive investors to diversify for the experts in a specific asset class to just get off the chart rates of return. So it really just depends on where you want to go with it but there's just a lot of flexibility with these accounts yeah that's great so it, let's say i was 50 years old i had a self-directed ira as roth ira i had you know hundred thousand dollars in there could i direct that those funds to my own personal llc that i have part ownership in or is that against the rules for that yeah great question so unfortunately you can't lend or infuse money into your personal llc those are disqualified okay. entities however let's say you find a particular deal that you want to get both your retirement account and your llc involved with then you have basically just a joint venture deal where the ira is going to own x percent of the house or the apartment wow. complex and you personally or your llc owns a percentage of that as well so yeah you can definitely involve both as long as it's on the initial acquisition okay so let me just kind of reiterate that for the listeners that are following so i find a 40 unit apartment complex I have ABC LLC that's going to own 50% of, you know, the, the property. And then I have Dante self-directed IRA that's going to own the other 50%. That's not a disqualifying entity. That would be, you know, that would qualify. That would work. That would work. Wow, now, certainly, that's awesome. 
there's some complexity if it's a fun yes, type yeah, deal yeah. and you're, you know, you're sponsoring this deal. There's, there's definitely some, some nuance to work out, but yeah, as a general note, both those entities could get involved in the deal. That's great. No, that's, that is huge. That's awesome. And that's a lot of flexibility in the retirement account. Let's say I have, and I'm just shooting some scenarios at you that I know people are going to be kind of asking. Let's say I have a buddy who's uh, doing a burr investment and they need some private money to purchase the property. Can I self-direct my private money to them? Absolutely. Yeah. Big part. So we see a lot of ownership of real estate from our clients, but just as much we see investors that just simply want to be the bank and lend money to other investors. As you said, it could be anything from letting someone burr out their, their money on a deal. It could even just be, let's say you have a wholesale friend and they need some transactional funding so that they can do two closings in one day. So they need that AB funding. Your IRA or 401k can provide that AB funding the BC money is going to take it out by the end of the day. You're helping that wholesaler make that, you know, 20, 40, $50,000 wholesale fee. And then you're able to make some just quick little transactional money, money on uh, funding that deal. So yeah, basically any of the investments that we're, we're doing as investors, typically they can be done inside our retirement accounts as well. That's great. So going off of that, how you're saying, you know, a wholesaler, they need some transition funds or someone that's doing private money. My, my buddy emails me or calls me, hey, Dante, I've got this great deal. I need some private money though. Okay, awesome. When are you closing on it? I'm closing on it in three days. How fast is the turnaround for this? How, how quickly can this be done from point A where I'm, I'm hey, Sean, I've, I need these, these funds in a self-directed IRA. I need to get them over to my buddy in three business days. Is that possible? Is that doable? Yeah, that's a great question. So if we're starting from point A, we don't have the account set up, the three-day window won't happen. There's basically okay. a seven-day right of rescission from the time that we receive the paperwork to when the, in, the first investment can be made. So that seven-day kind of freeze period, if you will. <clears throat> Realistically, what happens is the account gets established and it usually takes the current holder of the client's IRA or 401k at least a week or two to get the monies to us. And so really what we're always encouraging clients to do is to open and fund that account prior to that actual deal being on the horizon so that okay. you're kind of locked and loaded, you're ready to roll on the fund, on kind of the one shot, you know, private loan deal, whatever it may be, you need to make sure you're kind of set up and structured for it. And so the way that we try to help clients is we don't actually charge our annual fee on our IRAs until you actually make your first investment. That's great. Not when the account is set up or funded so that it's kind of, uh, there, there's not a lot of costs associated with it. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of like a HELOC or home equity line of credit. If you're not actually using the funds that are just sitting there, you're not getting charged interest on it. That's great. Or like a, exactly. a credit card. Exactly. So now I will say there's typically a $50 setup <laughs> fee to open the account. But if, uh, if your listeners actually mention this podcast, then I'll make sure we waive that $50 setup fee as well. Wonderful. That's great. And I'll, I'll put a link in the, uh, the show notes here as well. Thanks. So do you guys have a portal that someone can check on these funds so they can log in, you know, it's, it's Friday, they get home from work, they get back from vacation or something. Can they log in somewhere and say, okay, I want to see, you know, the quarterly payout or I want to see how the account's performing. Do you guys have that available to them? We do. Absolutely. I will say it's not quite as, 
as um, we'll say fancy as, it, as like it a never Wells is though. It just gets right? the job done, right? Yeah, it's it's these are alternative assets. So uh, our industry is a bit behind the securities world in terms of of the optics of the portals. But yes, the portal is still there and has the same functionality. I'll tell you, we'll take fourteen percent return on our investment to deal with a, a not so par program. That's okay. We'll deal with that. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, and then going back to syndication, if, if I was a passive investor, limited partner, and I invested with a self-directed IRA in this, will my quarterly payouts from that syndication go into the account physically? Or, or if I'm the general partner pushing the funds, the payout to that client that, direct, uh, that invested with their self-directed IRA, where am I pushing those funds to? Where am I making the ACH transfer, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the most typical model that we'll see is that the sponsors, you said, typically quarterly will be sending out those payments to each of the account holders so that they're deposited into each of their accounts. There, there can be some other structures, but that's kind of the most typical model that we'll see from syndications. That's great. Awesome. Well, Sean, I threw some pretty hard curveballs at you and you caught each one. You hit each one. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So uh, anyone that's looking to get involved in a self-directed IRA or has questions, please contact Sean at America IRA. He will be able to assist you. He'll be able to help you. And obviously this guy has the knowledge because he's answered all the questions and he had uh, zero time to think. They're all on the spot. I didn't give him anything in advance. <laughs> Sean, where can someone get in contact with you? Where can someone find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Dante. So uh, the website is AmericanIRA.com and our office headquarters number is 866-7500-IRA, which is 472, or you can call us locally at 828 257 four nine four nine uh, we got a great team what i love about our firm is that we have a lot of continuity amongst our senior team in our industry you see a lot of people moving from firm to firm all of my department heads have been with us eight ten plus years I've been very fortunate to be with the firm for almost 12 years. And so what you're going to get is just a team that has worked together that understands some really interesting and creative structures. You want to talk to us about substitution of collaterals and just some really kind of interesting and in-depth strategies, especially with real estate. We're with you. We know how this stuff works. So any way we can be of service, we'd love to help out. Awesome. Awesome. Sean, thank you so much for being on the show. Anything else you'd like to leave us with or are we we good to go. No, I love this. I love that you're out there just spreading the word about just all the opportunities available for us as investors. I think these are great value adds. And uh, again, for anyone that does want to get involved with us, if you can just please let us know you heard about us from Dante's podcast and we'll be sure to, to waive that $50 setup fee and uh, just really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much, Dante. Awesome. Yes. Thank you, Sean, so much for spending some time with us this evening and talking and, uh, you have an awesome evening. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.